Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there, and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike. That's Doug. Dude, it's the All-Star break, dude. It's the All-Star break. How you feeling, dude? Pretty good. I mean, it would have been nice to see the Sharks go into the break on a 7 to 1 on a 7 game winning streak as opposed to losing the last game in pretty disappointing fashion to Edmonton, but you know what? All things considered, I'm pretty happy. Uh, you know, dude, I mean, uh, it it wouldn't be the Sharks. It was too perfect, dude. It can never be that easy. Yeah. Uh, I, I I, do think it's it's not funny that they lost to Edmonton, you know, in that way. But, uh, you know, it, it for what was such a nice run of winning six in a row to kind of lose that last one going into the All-Star break to sort of make those Sharks fans feel just a little bit extra salty, you know. <laughs> It, it it's easy to forget that in the last seven games they went six and one, but they happened to lose the last one and uh, now are in a tie for first in the Pacific, which, you know, before they went on this run, they were all the way back in third. Yep. So um, if you look at the Pacific right now, dude, there's definitely separation between San Jose, Edmonton, and Anaheim, and then you've got 10 points between them and Calgary, LA and Vancouver. And then Arizona's not even on this planet in yeah. terms of uh being competitive for uh for the playoff spot. I mean, trust me, they're not the Avalanche, but uh <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk but, about them in a minute. But but they're not in the conversation. So you know the Sharks, Oilers and Ducks are in prime position to be the three playoff teams from the Pacific. Sure. And um, the Kings and Flames were going to have to, you know, being this far behind, are going to have to go on a, a pretty mean run here in the final 30 games. Uh, so really it's just who's who's on first at this point. So you can't feel bad being a Sharks fan right now. you got to feel pretty good. I think so. And, and the other thing is I think the Pacific Division has now become – uh, relatively respectable. Um, if you look at, you know, San Jose and Edmonton both have 64 points. Anaheim has 63 points. Whereas if you look in the Central Division, for instance, the number three team has f- only 56 points. Same with the Atlantic. And of course, the Metropolitan is still the powerhouse division in the NHL. But I'd say the Pacific Division has now sort of redeemed themselves. At the, at the beginning, they were sort of like kind of butt and everybody right. and and it was just like oh, okay but now you know they're they're definitely up there in terms of point total with you know the other best teams in the league definitely dude um all three of these teams in the pacific are scary in their own right you know i i do think the sharks are the best of these three teams um i look at the goal differential which you know i mean there's many stats that you look at but just seeing the anaheims is only plus four just you know i right. just i have a hard time uh, believing that that they're going to be uh, a very scary team when it comes down to it in the playoffs, but um, oh, they, they they did have a pretty lousy start. They certainly have have improved 
a ton, but the Pacific has certainly climbed ahead of the Atlantic, dude, where there's really only one good team, and right. that's Montreal. Yep. And the rest are uh, in a dead heat for for Astom, dude, with yeah. uh, Ottawa, the new home of Tommy Wingles, which I know we'll talk about in a moment. Right. Boston, Toronto. Toronto, you know, looks like uh, they're going to be able to take a run at a playoff berth. And, you know, Tampa Bay – goodness dude you know uh, i can't quite figure out why they're as bad as they are and it's hard for me to believe that they'll be out of the playoffs when it all comes down to it but what's up with tampa bay they're gonna have to make a run i know i I don't well you know stamkos didn't play against the sharks i i guess maybe they just don't have a steady enough lineup i mean if you don't have if stamkos is in and out i don't know i'm it's it's hard, you know. Obviously, them being in the Eastern Conference, we don't get to see a lot of them. Um, we don't really know, you know, who's overperforming and who's underperforming, things like that. But it it's is very surprising. Same, it's the same team. I mean, like really, it it's essentially well, the same. Team. You know, Stamkos has only played seventeen games this year. That's obviously a huge problem for this team. Sure. Well, but it it really wasn't last year. Yeah, I guess you know, you're right. I mean. They did most of that without him. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that they that that division it is so bad that you know if they can put a little run. I mean, they're only six points out of a playoff spot, but trailing Boston, who is not good. That's not a good team. Yeah, they're a mess. Ottawa's in second with fifty eight. They're they're not good either. So, you know, the best team of Ottawa, Boston, Toronto, Florida, Tampa, Buffalo, Detroit is Tampa. So you just got to think that they'll figure it out at some point. I guess so. I guess so, dude. We're bearing the lead, which is that longtime shark Tommy Wingles was traded this week. He was traded for two minor league players and a pick. Uh, yeah, a seventh round pick. Right. My goodness. Um. And two players that really, honestly, don't have any chance of playing in the NHL. Zach Stortini, for those of you who have followed the NHL closely the last few years, that name will ring a bell. Sure. Uh, I mean, that guy was a real pain in the ass when he played for the Oilers. Real uh, pain in the ass. Yeah, he has like 700 and something penalty minutes and not a lot of games. I mean, the guy is just a a big, tough, brawler kind of player. And I don't think the Sharks really need a guy like that, but... I, I suppose it's possible if Michael Haley is not uh, up to snuff, but I, you know, he's a he's a minor league player. Um, most people agree it was mostly a salary cap move. The Sharks do retain a portion, I believe, thirty percent of Tommy Wingles' salary, and I think a lot uh, it partially was to clear enough space for Tomas Hurdle to come back, which we'll talk about in a second. But, dude, what was your reaction to this trade? And and I know he is held in, in pretty good esteem by a lot of Sharks fans. You know, certainly Tommy Wingles was a, a workman-like, sort of blue-collar kind of player. And I know there's going to be a lot of Sharks fans that are sad to see him go. I think that, you know, three years ago, we probably expected Tommy Wingles to be a little bit more of a contributor than he ended up being in terms of statistically uh, when he got his contract that was, you know, I think, a two-year four million dollars something contract you know he he looked like he might be able to be a 15 to 18 goal scorer with some grit um and be a little bit of an agitator physical player 
I think he kept the agitator and the physical player and his scoring really dropped off last year. Mm -hmm. Um, Took a lot of heat for uh, not being an effective uh, advanced stat player. But I do think he brought a lot of things to the table that we're going to miss. And, you know, I mean, looking last night and certainly not saying this was why we lost last night, but I'm not a super big fan of looking at a fourth line and going Timo Meyer, like, Right. I don't like that. Like, I, I don't think that that's going to cut it when it comes down to the playoffs. Not that Timo Meyer is not a good player. I think he is a really good player. He's not a fourth-line player. Those are not the kind of guys that you want to throw out there, I think, against, you know, some of these really experienced yep. teams. Like, in a fourth-line role, I think they're going to get their – clocks cleaned so i'm a little concerned about that that they um gave up a guy who had really settled into that type of role who brought you know we certainly lost a lot of a lot of grit and a lot of toughness in this exchange so zach um, stortini yeah i mean those two guys you're you're you hit it on the head dude that's that's those are numbers that's roster i know shuffling and um I don't even think it's cap related necessarily because those guys won't count on the cap period because they'll never see it's, you know, 50 man roster paper moves and, you know, they'll play for the Barracuda all year. Um, We won't see them. You know, another, the thing that might've hurt Tommy Wingles more than the return of Tomas Hurdle is the emergence of Ryan Carpenter, dude. I believe you're right. Uh, You know, Ryan Carpenter, I think completely took Tommy Wingles, uh, spot on the roster, which I've enjoyed seeing Ryan Carpenter play as he is, but you know, in a ten-game sample size, uh, are we confident enough that he is the fourth-line center of now? No, I mean, ten games—you can't say anything about anybody. <laughs> you can't say if anybody's the best team in the NHL or the worst. Uh, of course, you know, Ryan Carpenter has uh, two very significant advantages over Tommy Wingles. One is that he is younger, uh, of course, and, and two is that he is cheaper. He's not younger by a lot. Uh, he's only two years younger, but he is uh, significantly cheaper, as you mentioned. I think Tommy Wingles had a, a $2 million plus cap hit 2.4, if I'm right, um, and Ryan Carpenter is basically making the league minimum. And, uh, you know, if you have uh, two guys like that, one of whom is younger and you think is going to be more or less a similar player, and he's a quarter of the price uh, in today's cap era, um, that's not that hard of a call. Um, you know, sort of along those lines, the one player I'm really, I'm seriously surprised. I mean, this is honestly one of the biggest surprises for me for this season, um, is the fact that Barkley Goodrow cannot break the lineup, honestly. I mean, uh, you know, maybe... I know I'm sure a lot of other people aren't really caring so much, but this is a guy that played, you know, 60 games in the NHL two years ago, right? Right. Um, And was a pretty decent player, in my opinion. Um, And certainly I thought had every, you know, every intention of becoming a regular NHL player and then was unable to catch on last year and only played Tuesday as his first game, I believe. Right. Um, Yeah, that was his first game this year. It's going to be interesting to watch, dude, as the season starts to progress. And I think as we're starting to see now that, you know, 
Uh, the Joel Ward complaints are going away. The Bodker complaints are going away. He now has 17 points. Joel Ward now has 18 points. They're not lighting the world on fire, but they, you know Bodker's come a long way yep. in the last you know three weeks. Um, he's still a little snake bit, but he's dangerous often. He looks way more dangerous, and is certainly. I don't think his his lineup spot on a nightly basis is in jeopardy. Um, do you think it's possible that we could see Timo Meyer returned back to the Barracuda if his role, now that Ward and Bodker have kind of settled into their top nine, is going to be as a nine-minute-a-night fourth-line forward? That's a tough call. I don't know what to make of Meyer. You're, I, I totally agree with you. I don't want to see him play 12 minutes a night on the fourth line. I'm I'm not particularly interested in that. But who is the... I mean, in terms of the current roster... I think you just mentioned... You just named the person that could be better suited for that role than Timo Meyer. Barkley Goodrow? I think you've named him. I would way rather see him play... Nine minutes and fifty four seconds, which is what he played last night. Then Timo Meyer do that. I don't think that that's the best thing for Timo Meyer's long term development as a person who's going to be an important part of the Sharks, not just now but later. Keep in mind though, the Barkley Goodrow is only twenty three years old. It's not like his ship has sailed at this point, right? But at least he's played sixty games in that kind of role, like. He understands how to do it. I remember he's got got a little bit of grit to him. Not that I think Timo Meyer may have that too, but you know we want Timo Meyer to score twenty twenty five goals. You know, having him, you know, spend his time chasing Steve Ott, yeah, doesn't seem like a valuable roster investment. That's where I think we're going to miss Wingles. Now I'm the Sharks could be angling for and we know how Doug Wilson is notorious for for pattering pat pattering pat patterning his teams against sort of the flavor of the month and you know if he's lining up to try and beat Pittsburgh which is increase the team's speed I get it yeah right but you know there were some guys on that Pittsburgh team that maybe they had some speed but they were also pretty physical uh and kind of annoying. And I'm not sure when I look at our lineup who that is anymore other than Michael Haley, who none of us want to see in a playoff series. Yeah. So will the Sharks forego that part of, of a roster construction, which they never really have, or are they going to be looking for this at the trade deadline in a different form? It's possible it's it's possible you're right. I'm I'm concerned about Meyer. I think Carpenter can play the physical role. I think Melker Carlson is playing better recently. I think he can play a more physical role. He's certainly not shying away from those kinds of contacts and and scrums in front of the net. So I I don't mind that at all. Um but you're right. I think Haley is not exactly everybody's first choice. Um so there is a bit of a hole there. I don't, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how this turns out. I mean, is it, are the Sharks really, maybe they don't need a guy like that. I don't know. I mean, w- between Ward and Dylan and some of these other guys that are tough, um, maybe they don't need a guy like that. 
Yeah, maybe not. You know, I mean, I, I just, I look at how Edmonton's roster is put together and, you know, in, in a seven game series, how, how will we skate around the, uh, the Lucic's and the, what's the other guy, dude? Lucic was invisible. I know. Night. I didn't notice I know, him dude. at all. I didn't notice right. him once. Right. What's the other dude? The dude who was started in Buffalo and then went to Vancouver and was the other this the other dude that they have. Oh man, you're putting Come me on, on the spot. dude. I'm sorry, dude. Oh man, this is killing me. This I'm gonna is, have to look it up right now. People are terrible. probably yelling at us as we cannot remember their names. So, Zach Cassian. Zach Cassian. I mean, of course. you know, I mean, they've got Cassian. They've got uh, Lucic. They've got Hendricks. You know, they've yeah. They do. They wouldn't call any of those guys goons, you know, right. although Cassian is close. Yep. Maroon. Maroon. I mean, you know, you want to – maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. It doesn't matter. We're just sort of talking right now. I'm just saying the Sharks won't be very well clip, equipped to to deal with that kind of series if it gets down to it. But, you know, dude, last year – um, it didn't really matter. It's not like they had a ton of toughness – on the team then either. So um, they were able to uh, get past a team like St. Louis, which certainly was built a little bit more in a grinder like style. That's true. That's true. Dude, other news. Um, I think everybody can now agree that we just need to keep Patrick Marlowe in a contract year in perpetuity. <laughs> Patrick Marlowe, dude, is. Uh, is about as streaky as they come, and uh, he is riding the rainbow of happiness right now, and we're all enjoying the benefits. So he's on a thirty-five goal pace right now, dude. Sure, dude. Um, I, I would love to see that happen, but I think you and I both know and have seen this dance before, where he gets hot and then he goes and vanishes yeah. for weeks. So. Sorry, not not thirty five. He's more on like a late high twenties, thirty pace. Excuse me. Oh, they, they need him. They they need him to score. I mean, if we're looking at and identifying the concerns going into the second half of the season, or it's not even the second half. Really, the the final third is the power play. Is the Sharks even strength scoring is yeah. is middle of the pack the scoring uh, in general, dude. The scoring yeah, the, in general is, is well, I mean, is below average. Where the Sharks excel statistically is they are one of the best teams defensively even strength. Their penalty kill is middle of the road. Their power play is bottom third. And their even strength scoring is, I think, bottom Bo- half. Bottom half, yeah. So, you know, not great. And it doesn't really inspire you to look at if, if I t- cited those things and then later asked you what place do you think that team is in? I don't think you'd say first place. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe statistics are overrated in this way, dude. And you know, the sharks have found a way to win games uh, in large part to their goaltending, which both of them are, have been outstanding uh, to start the year. So, yes, that's a definite bright spot. I mean, it, nine, nine sixteen save percentage for Martin Jones. I, I'd have to look up his even strength save percentage, but I mean, that's not 
that's not world beating. That's not Tuka Rask and Hendrik Lundqvist territory here. It's definitely good. It's probably better than we've had in a while. But I think we just have better all-around defense in terms of, you know, certainly, obviously, Vlasic and Braun are the shutdown pair. But but Burns and Burns and Martin are very capable at preventing goals. And Dylan, I think, has taken a step forward in the, in that department this year. So I have, you know, I have no problem with the top six at this point. Yeah, I'm um, I'm looking at the goaltending leaders, dude, and you know, we have Martin Jones is in is number eight in goals allowed in the NHL. He's fourth in wins. Um, that's just because that's because they're playing him too much. Well, you know, dude, when he's when he's playing, he's winning games. You know, so um, is he going to win the Vezina? No, yep. I mean, there's certainly better uh, goaltending right now happening in Minnesota and in Columbus, even <laughs> on the island with Tomas Grice with uh, a nine twenty eight save percentage, dude. Yeah, but um, I mean, he's certainly he's a, he's a huge part of of why this team is in first place. I don't, I don't think anybody can, can question that. No, no, not at all. Brent Burns is, you know, there's a lot of talk about him as an MVP candidate, dude. What do you make of this? Dude, can you name the players in the NHL that have more points than Brent Burns? Go. Connor McDavid. Yes. Sidney Crosby. That's true. Malkin. That's the list. That's the entire list, dude. I know. I'm looking at it. I know you are. But you drew out the draw, <laughs> mills. good. Did I, I sold it. Did you, I sell you it? You sold it. He sold it. <laughs> he is fourth in the NHL in scoring right now. He That's incredible. Crazy. I mean, he is completely The guy has, he has 11 points more than Eric Carlson, for God's sake. I don't even, I can't even explain that. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't, how do you... How can you play in a league like the NHL where you have the very best players in the world? Everybody, not only on the ice, everybody in the building knows you're going to shoot from the point. They pass it to the point. You shoot, you get it through traffic, and you score. How is this possible? Like, I'm constantly amazed by this. Const- everybody Voodoo. knows he's shooting. Everybody. Voodoo? There's, there's special powers in his beard. Is this like a, yeah? Is this a major league situation? Is he going to KFC and like sacrificing the chicken? <laughs> is he praying to Joe Boo on this? What well, is going on? You know, there's enough animals in his house that who knows what's going on there. It's true. That's a good point. But uh, we'll certainly take it and enjoy it. And you know, very grateful that that Doug Wilson locked him up when he did. Because can you imagine if he went to marketude? <laughs> This is true. If, if he went to market, could he rival? I mean, what what would he get? Yeah, he'd get eight plus. He get nine, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think he'd get nine. Someone would give him nine. Yeah, Vegas, Vegas baby, Vegas. Maybe next week we'll have a, a conversation. I read the latest uh, book by the guys who do puck prospectus tom volman uh, or uh rob volman tom awad those guys and maybe i'll 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 put together a list of interesting topics that we can talk about in terms of like stats and there's because there's a a, something you just said made me think of it so maybe we'll have a little teaser for next week we can talk about that a little bit more 
after the all-star break. But, uh, I want to I want to say that because I want to remind you and me of that because I think there's some good uh, topics of discussion regarding some of those things next week. So maybe we can talk about that next week. Um, dude, moving on, the All Star break. Are you excited about the All Star game this year and the and the skills and all that stuff? Dude, I can't remember why I didn't watch it last year, um, but there was I can't remember what happened. But I am excited to watch it. I, I I'm. The skills, you know, not so much, but the game format, I, I think, is exciting. Did you watch it last year? Did you find this? I think new? I saw I saw highlights, but I'm I'm totally with you. I mean, this is I have to give a lot of credit to the NHL here because as of two or three years ago, when they had the normal game and it was you know North America versus the world or whoever versus whoever else, or the you know the uh, the woodchucks versus the gray squirrels. I don't care. But a five-on-five all-star game blows. It just it just blows. I mean, it's because you can't help but draw parallels to regular NHL hockey games, and there's no comparison. It's stupid. I mean, it, you know, nobody's hitting anybody. Nobody's playing defense. It's just it's a ridiculous like shootout. But you put the best players in the world on the ice three-on-three. Three, that's something I want to watch. Absolutely. So I give I give the NHL a lot of credit. Uh, you know, to changing the format for that and having three-on-three teams and a division tournament format. I am definitely going to watch. Absolutely. So, and the winning team splits a million dollars, which, you know, I mean, when you get down to it, I guess it's probably like 80 grand a player, but that's something. That's not nothing. You know, it, it gives you a little bit of an incentive to try and win the game, whereas before I think it's been such a snooze fest. So I'm looking forward to it, too. Definitely uh, going to check it out and root for the Pacific Division, although it will pain us mightily to be cheering for Ryan Kessler. Hey. But uh, we uh. will, and Drew Doughty and Jeff Carter. But but we will do. We will do. Um, do you know there's a new skills uh, game? Have you read about that? No. Yeah, so there's a new game. It's almost like one of those games they do at the period break with the fan. They bring them onto the ice. They're going to have the board covering the net, and players are going to have to shoot from the blue line. Uh, And the four corners are going to be open, and you get more points for shooting it in the top corners versus the bottom corners. Then Then they go back and they have to shoot, I think, from either the center line or the far blue line the same way. And then they have to shoot from the far goal line. And the amount of points that you gain goes up the further away it is. And you have a certain number of shots. So that that's going to be kind of fun. It's like one of those like you know half-court shot things they have in the NBA and stuff. And I think they're even going to let goalies shoot. And you get bonus points if the goalie makes a goal from those distances. Which, I mean, it's, it's a gimmick. It's funny. It's supposed to be goofy. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what an all-star game should be. Right. Is entertaining, dude. It should be entertaining yeah and that to me that sounds pretty entertaining i mean if everybody misses all the shots it's gonna be a dog and they'll kill it but you know it could be pretty fun it could be pretty fun and i think we're we might be pretty amazed at how accurate players can be even from those distances i'm in dude i'm in sold i'll watch it so dude even though uh this is the all-star break we are 50 games into the season so we are well past the halfway point here I guess the question is, after the All-Star break, we're going to be starting to think about the trade deadline, and maybe there's another player that we... I, I saw two rumors, neither of which actually made a lot of sense to me. One is that, uh, I think Elliot Friedman mentioned this in a, in a column, that 
the Winnipeg Jets are holding on to three goalies because they're worried the Sharks will claim Michael Hutchinson if they put him on waivers. Did you read this? I did read that. What's, um, what's this about? Well, I mean, the the question, is, if I remember what the speculation was beyond that, is, you know, and we don't know the answer to this, is how confident are the Sharks in Arendelle? Is he Arendelle playing well in limited playing time this year? Yeah, he is. He's yeah. playing well. Um, how do the Sharks scouts and management grade him versus Hutchinson versus Yaroslav Halak, which was the other name that was mentioned? We can't afford uh, him. Well, I mean, no, we can't, but we could if they paid 80% of his salary. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that. that's... The question that we don't have the answer to is, you know, if the Sharks were worried if Martin Jones went down in a playoff series, I think last year they would have been, you know, not excited but comfortable putting James Reimer in there. Sure. Would they feel the same way about Aaron Dell? So they didn't really seem to have the answer to that in the article, but, you know, the speculation that Winnipeg is fearful of losing. I know the Sharks are not the only team that's looking for a goalie. I mean, the goaltending sure. situation in Calgary is pure hell. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and there are other teams that I think would be looking for uh, a quality uh, NHL-level backup. But Hutchinson's stats are, are balls this year. Yeah. And, you know, if you're the Sharks, how do you justify that? that Dell is going to the Barracuda and Hutchinson is going to be the backup. Like, I don't think that that's going to happen unless the wheels come off Aaron Dell. Do you? Yeah, that doesn't, that certainly doesn't seem like a glaring need to me right now, but maybe there's some, maybe there's some technical flaws in Dell's game that we haven't yet seen in games or haven't yet seen get, you know, taken advantage of by the other team you know maybe maybe there's something the goalie coach is saying wow you know i can't believe he has a 930 save percentage even though he does uh you know i don't know maybe his preparation isn't good or something else you know that we can't see i don't know but obviously i don't have a problem with Aaron Dell. my only problem with Aaron Dell is he's not playing enough that's my only problem i don't like the idea and i know other people have already started talking about it i think including sharks commentators and others that Martin, you know, Martin Jones is on pace to play 65 or 70 games. It's too much, especially for a team that is planning or hoping at least to go deep in the playoffs. That's not a good, it's not a good idea. I no, know it, I sound like a broken record on this. Maybe I should just get off this hobby horse. I'm tired of it. Yeah, I, I don't know, dude. I, they were headed down this road last year and it didn't seem to phase them until they must have felt that Jones was getting worn down. And so uh, it's an unanswered question, and it certainly is an X-file moving forward. Uh, I don't have an answer, dude. I don't think that we're going to see Dell. Although, you know, I mean, I guess it's hard to say, dude. If they believe in Aaron Dell, then maybe we are going to see more Dell down the road in the second half, which is exactly what they did with James Reimer last year. So maybe, you know, maybe we're, let me put this out there. Maybe we're all overreacting a little bit. This is exactly what happened last year. And then when they brought in Reimer, they started 
uh, the late season flip-flopping to give Jones more rest, maybe that's been the plan all along. Dell will play more fre- frequently in the second half. And it's a it's a good point. Maybe, maybe I'd love to see that. Do you yeah. know another name that's been attached to the Sharks, dude? Surprisingly, Shane Doan, dude. Dude, I would love to have Shane Doan really? on the team. Yeah, I would love it. I mean, I I, I think um, I'm not sure if he helps the uh, strategic shift towards becoming faster, or um, <laughs> right. you know, but. If you're going to lose Tommy Wingles and you're going to gain Shane Doan, like I think that's a win because Doan brings those, you know, I know you love words like intangibles, dude, but yeah. he just, he really does. And I mean, what a salty dude, tough guy, you know, not as an effective scorer as he used to be, but, you know, not a total waste of space. He's having an okay year on a horrible team. He's going to get traded. So, and you know, this just smells like an Anaheim Ducks pickup. Doesn't it just reek of Ducks? Yeah. I mean, I I have the utmost respect for Shane Doan as a player. I I really, really do. And I have nothing bad to say about Shane Doan as a player. My my only problem is, do we want a 40-year-old player, another old player on the Sharks. I mean, the Sharks are one of the older teams in the NHL. I'm very worried about what we would have to give up. Like you said, there are probably multiple teams that would be interested in Shane Doan. If they're smart, and I don't think they're complete morons over there, they're going to ask for some decent young prospect or a good pick or something for Shane Doan. I mean, they can't ask for the world because, you know, this guy doesn't have a real long string to play out at this point, but he could be helpful to a playoff team, and I worry the Sharks are going to have to give up something useful in order to get six weeks of a guy who has only four goals this year. You know, he had yeah. twenty. He had twenty-eight last year. You know, he's obviously, you know, a twenty-eight goal scorer at age thirty-nine is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, that is extremely good production uh, for a guy of that age. And like you said, that's with ninety-eight penalty minutes. I mean, the dude is—he is, you know, truculent, as Brian Burke would say. Right. But, um, you know, I worry that that's not the direction the Sharks should be going. They should be giving Timo Meyer more time. They should be giving, you know, Nikolai Goldobin a chance. They should be playing Barkley Goodrow. Um, you know, I, I don't I would, know. I'm, 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 less, I'm less enthusiastic about this than you are. Uh, well, I mean, I would enjoy having him. I, I would rather see him play 12 minutes. Then Timo Meyer play twelve minutes, you know I. I I'll give I you that, but at what cost? That's yeah, the problem. Yeah, well, no, and and here's the thing, dude. I wouldn't give up Jack. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, like, it, you, I'm not gonna. We're talking, and when when I heard them talking about this on Hockey Central, they were talking about, um, you know, the the veteran players. Don Jerome Ginla will definitely yeah. be traded. Um, um who's sort of in that same Shane Doan kind of bracket. Well, we'll talk about Colorado in a minute. And um, and then, you know, has Yarmy Yager had enough of the Florida disaster? And is he going to want out at the deadline? You know, this if Yager probably commands a bigger price than the other two um, just because of the productivity that he's – I mean, I'm not looking at his stats, but 
I would imagine he's more productive than the other two. But, you know, they were talking about a Ginla and they're like, you know, you'd be lucky to, to, to get a fourth round pick for him. Yeah. So like, I, no, we're not going to trade them. Gold Dobin. Yeah. You know, or anything like that. I mean, right. I, I think it's, you know, if, if Arizona wants to do right by their captain, then they should trade him to a team that's got a chance to win a Stanley Cup in what's probably his last year. Yep. Um, I mean, so that, that's um, my that's my only reluctance in terms of Shane Doan. I, I don't yep. think he could ever be a negative personality-wise, character-wise to a team. The guy is just all upside in terms of leadership, in terms of character, right? Right. It, he wouldn't be brought... If you brought him into this situation, it wouldn't be to play a top six role. I hope not. It would be for him to be playing a as a role player, as a bottom six forward who would bring other elements to the table that can be valuable for playoff runs, that we've seen valuable on other teams for playoff runs. See, but now, you're getting, I, now you're getting me a little excited here. Now you're well, getting me a little excited. I, I, and, and actually, and, and you're starting to talk me out of it. So, <laughs> You know, somewhere in the middle, we're, we're right. But, I mean, I totally agree with you. You don't want to sacrifice the youth of the Sharks. You don't want to give up these young players. I do not think Doug Wilson will do that. Um, I think that if he's looking to make an add, which, you know, adding a player of this kind of salary would be quite complicated, dude. It would That's be very true. We, we just traded away a player that could have been very useful on a playoff run because we couldn't absorb the salary. So, yeah, yeah you that's know, a good I, point. We may just be talking about nothing because, honestly, the Sharks may not have to do anything at all. They may be totally fine in terms of their depth all over the ice and just hold on to their assets. You know, why... Why mess with something that's not in disarray? Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to be players for any of, you know, the Avalanche guys who may be available, which, you know, I'll believe when they start selling off those young players when I see it. I think um, the talk of Duchesne and Landis Cog, those kinds of deals don't usually get done in the middle of the season. Those are draft type deals. Those are, you know, bigger than trade deadline pieces. I I don't think we're going to see that those guys move right now. Yeah, the the rumor is that everybody not named Nathan McKinnon is on the block at this point. I mean, the Avs are such a mess at this point. They're terrible. Sure. And we and we saw it what only a only a week or two ago. I mean, they were the Sharks' win against the Avs was kind of a little embarrassing for the Avalanche, to be honest. Yeah, they're 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 a bad team. They just kind of they just kind of. I mean, we beat them twice, one in overtime, but the second game we beat them. That was the game that Marlow scored four goals in the third period, and it was just it's almost embarrassing how they folded like that. Yeah, no, I I look at their roster. I mean, there's some players that. I might have mild interest in, but you know, the sharks have major cap implications that I think they're not going to be able to make an addition of, of an impact player, nor do I think that they really need to, you know, we're looking at guys who could come in and play a role and then it's inexpensive price. And 
Um, and they may believe that they have those players in their own system with Carpenter, with Goudreau, with Haley, um, with Meyer. They may think that we're just fine in terms of providing that more of a skilled fourth line than a grit fourth line. I don't know. I mean, if I'm going to play devil's advocate here, you know, with, with Marlo and Joe on the older side and, you know, Joe Pavelski being 32, certainly not, you know, uh, really slowing down at any point, maybe the Sharks should look uh, towards a little bit towards the future. I mean, how do you say no to Matt Duchesne, right? <laughs> Well, we, we've I had, love this guy. Uh, we've had this conversation, dude. Like, I think the Matt Duchesne price is way more than you'd want to pay. Like, they're not yeah. going to give you Matt Duchesne for Mirko Mueller and a third. Yeah, like, I know. I know. You're going to have to give them Timo Meyer. You're going to have to give them probably Justin Braun, and then you'd have to give them your first round pick. So like I'm, I, I'm trying to think of like the kind of like so so sketch to me the kind of team that would make that kind of deal. Like who can afford that at this point? I mean, Matt Duchesne, I just checked, and he's actually not you know 24. He's 26, which you know if you look at sort of some statistical studies people have done. I mean, that's sort of near the end of the the peak. They they say between 25 and 27 is generally the peak of output, um, he's probably on pace to score 20, 25 goals this year. I mean, obviously on an awful, awful team, but, but who, who can afford that? Who can afford that? Yeah, dude. Um, gosh, I, let's look at, I guess we'll kind of poke around here and see who can afford that dude. Uh, Toronto. Toronto could make that kind of deal, dude. I guess. Um, yeah, I guess they could one, use it. They could use another top end. They could use a top end forward. That's true. I, if you're them, though, you probably don't mess around too much. They have Austin Matthews. I mean, do you mess with him and Mitch Marner? I don't know if you do. Well, no. I mean, I, you wouldn't be trading either of those guys. No, I mean, that's true. Digging a little bit deeper into their system. But if you're Toronto, let's okay. Let's play amateur GM here, dude. If you're Toronto and you have a chance to maybe swing a deal to get Matt Duchesne, and then in the back of your head. You think that you have a good shot at shining, and maybe you can convince John Tavares to come up to Toronto when he wants the hell out of New York in the off season. Yeah. Um. Uh. Okay. Austin Matthews, Matt Duchesne, John Tavares. Uh. uh scary. Really scary. Yeah. You know? Um. A team like Winnipeg, Zaitsev, Morgan Riley, Matt Humwick, Martin yeah. Marinson. I mean, they have a D problems here. I don't know if they they have. No, I, I yeah, I, I you're asking me for ideas. Yeah, dude. I, that's I'm, not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. Throwing them out there, you know, I I, I don't. I but the, if you're Colorado, why are you going to give away a good player? You're like, not. You're not. You're not going to give them away. Like you need to get back in return extremely meaningful pieces. And if you can get back a top four defenseman, a potential top six forward, and a first round pick, then maybe you could justify that. You know, um, or you could see them make a straight, you know, that sort of Ryan Johansson for Seth Jones kind of trade, mm -hmm. which, you know, I, I'm poking around here and you know i'm not really sure what that would be you know if if anaheim wanted to trade cam fowler straight up for 
uh, Matt Duchesne, you know, that, that, that's possible. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because if Duchesne and uh, apparently Duchesne and Landis Cog are on the block, so it, that's there could be some fireworks here. I, I agree with you though. I'm not so sure they'll necessarily be at the deadline. They might be more at the draft, but uh, I think they might move basically everybody. <laughs> I mean, you, the, I'm I'm looking at the Tyler Sagan deal, right, dude? I mean, that was Sagan, Rich Peverly, and some guy named Ryan Butt for Louis Erickson. Who was, you know, a legitimate top six NHL good player, really good, good player, and then three prospects who I think they thought had some potential, and maybe the headline of that was was Riley Smith, who um, is now part of the Florida Panthers organization and is a role player, you know, not a world beater, nineteen point player in forty eight games. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you have a player in Joe Morrow who is played 17 games for the Bruins this year. You know, and he's only 24, so the the verdict is still out on him. But that's the kind of return you would think that that Colorado would want. But I don't know. I, I don't think the Sharks can get into that conversation. I mean, who who do you? Who do you offer up, dude? You're right. For- I, there's, I mean, even regardless of who I offer, there's no way I'm going to be able to beat somebody else's offer who really wants Matt Duchesne and really needs him. That's the problem, right? I mean, you can't go and trade, you know, Logan Couture or something. You know, you you just can't. So you you really have to you trade him to a team that needs a reboot so badly. Um, you know, Arizona might might be a partner actually. Um, but, yeah, I, I just don't think the Sharks are going to be willing to give up enough to get a guy like that. And like you said, the, the cap implications are tough. Um, and, you know, it, of course, you salivate when you think about Matt, a guy with the skill set of Matt Duchesne on your team. But you're right. I don't think the Sharks are even going to be in the finals of that sweepstakes if, if they even enter the, enter the contest. Yeah, agreed. Dude, I want to go to... Um, uh, I'll go to, uh, we got a nice shout out here from, from Dave. So I just want to give Dave a shout out. He's from Sacramento. So, uh, he said he listened to us uh, a bunch of shows on the long drive from Sacramento, I think to Texas. So that's pretty cool. Wow. Um, Sacramento man, go Aggies. Well, that's more Davis, <laughs> but, uh, you know, anyway, also, um, I, I'm sorry to report dude that, you know, member last, last show, uh, those guys said they were going to start their own sharks podcast and they asked for advice and uh, we uh, politely declined. Uh, is that what we did? <laughs> You're being very polite. Something like that. Uh, we said, uh, hell no, we're not going to give you any advice. Uh, in, but in, in good jest, dude, in good jest. They certainly did. And, um, and they tweeted at us, and they said, sorry to hear about your hope for our failure. Listen to our first podcast to look for ways you can undermine our endeavor. Um, I'm sorry to say, dude, they, they already seem to be better at Twitter than we are. (laughs) (laughs) So, so damn those guys. Uh, so dude, you got to up your Twitter game because, uh, they might, they might be catching up in the Twitter wars. Okay. Did you listen to their podcast, dude? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I did not. Okay. Well, you know what? Uh, over the all-star break, um, we're going to listen to it and then, um, you know what we should do? Speak for we yourself. Should, I'm not listening to it. <laughs> we should play it and break it down. 
Oh, that that's that's just then we're just gonna be mean. That's just mean. I think that's what they aren't they asking for that? Didn't didn't they want that? Hmm. Listen to the podcast so you can undermine our endeavors. But is really talking about their podcast and our podcast undermining them really? You're right. We've already done enough to help them. I think we have. I think we have. <laughs> Maybe this is the last time we should mention them, right? Dudes, now. Dudes, we wish you the best of luck. Sort of. <laughs> Not really. Dude, any any other news you want to talk about here? Uh, going into the All-Star break, it's a time to take a take a breath and uh and reflect a little bit on the on the season, although it's more than half over. I'd say it's been a really successful one so far and I'm very uh encouraged by what the Sharks have done. Honestly. Um, dude, I would just like to, before we head off into the podcasting sunset, uh, thank you for making sure your microphone was off tonight when you decided to cuss four letter words at me. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Absolutely. Did you see that dude? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Dude, you you didn't see it. You didn't see it. What? Dude. Oh, dude. oh, the ref thing. The ref. Oh, that was the best. <laughs> that was so good. Yeah, it was like, uh, yeah, a ref like was about to announce a penalty and he turned his microphone on and then he cursed out a player with the microphone on, which is like, hilarious. Re- really bad. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, really like, bad. Full on F-bomb hollering at oh, guys. Oh, man. So great. Gotta love hockey. So Only gotta in hockey it. would that happen. That's, gotta love it, dude. That's why we love dude, this game. As we're uh, heading into the final third of the season, dude, who is your Stanley Cup favorite? I I got to go with Washington at this point. Um, you know, they, they seem to have sort of figured this whole thing out at the moment. I mean, you know, things can change. But, uh, you know, given Malkin being out right now, it's hard to go with the Penguins, um, honestly. If, if Malkin was super healthy and the Penguins are super healthy, you might go with them. But I got to go with Washington. Uh, you know, it's an easy pick. They have the most points. I didn't actually know that when I first said it. But... Um, with Barry Trotz, I just have sort of a better feeling about them. I know I've been really against them in the last few seasons, but for some reason, Washington seems to be a team that's ready. They seem ready. Dude, you? Uh, dude, I'm not going to pick Washington because I've been burned by that train too many times, dude. You know, uh, Washington is Washington, just like Minnesota is Minnesota to me at this point. And seeing Columbus kind of come back down to earth, like, um, I will go. I will go with Pittsburgh again. Like, yeah. uh, I think that uh, the fact that they are twenty and three at home, wow, is, holy crap, uh, is frightening. And you know, when they get to full strength. You know, they didn't really turn it on until the end last year. And I don't think it matters. They, you know, they may play the hurdle game with Malkin and just let him rest if they can stay in a playoff position, um, which is not going to be easy with, you know, the Rangers only two points behind them. But um, I still think they're the most dangerous team in the NHL, as we saw last year in the finals. Yeah. When they're good, they're really damn good. That's true, and it's hard to it's hard to really count out teams like Chicago. You know, they still have the same sort of skill set that they've had. Um, I'm, you know, there's some teams that are sort of near the top of the state. I am not particularly, I'm especially not that that scared of Columbus. I'm I'm not that scared 
you know, Minnesota is interesting. Uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see who they play in the first round and how they do against a good team. You know, I looked at Columbus and they had that really long winning streak and I looked at who they beat and they beat a lot of pretty bad teams. Uh, you know, they beat the Avalanche twice and Winnipeg twice and, you know, Detroit and, you know, stuff like that in Tampa. Um, and when all those teams are gone, <laughs> I just don't have a lot of belief in Columbus, even if they make the playoffs. I mean, it's amazing what they did. And it's awesome that they have all their young guys all playing well at the same time. And that's great, you know, and for the future for them. But for this year, I have no zero belief that they can go far. And sort of the same goes for Edmonton, to be honest with you. I, I just, you know, you kind of, it's so, it's so cliche, but I, you know, it's like they, they kind of need a couple of postseasons to sort of figure out what to do. Yeah, it, it's, it's too soon for them, I think, but um, I wouldn't mind seeing them tangle with Anaheim uh, in the first. That'd be a great series. You know, I'd watch I, that series. To see them uh, sort of uh, beat up each other and, and have the Sharks draw. Uh, one of the two wildcard teams, which I think will be two weaker teams that are clearly a rung below them. Um, you know, I think if Minnesota falls to the second spot and Chicago passes them, which is close right now, 69 and 65 points, and if Minnesota has to play Nashville in the first round, they're going to lose. Like, I, just, I think they'll lose that series. Like, Bruce Boudreaux teams don't play well in the playoffs. Yeah. And, um, Nashville is essentially the same team that we saw give us the biggest fits other than Pittsburgh in the playoffs last year. And I think once they kind of hit their stride with Subin, dude, they're going to be even better. So, um, you know, that that's, that's what I think. I still think Nashville is the second best team in the central, even though, it doesn't bear out in the standings. I think when when it comes down to it, they'll it'll be Chicago and Nashville. The other two teams are left out there. Yeah, yeah. Good call, dude. Well, dude, enjoy the weekend off from NHL hockey. Enjoy the uh, All Star Game festivities. I know I will. I hope our listeners do as well. And, and enjoy your birthday, dude. Happy thanks, birthday dude. tomorrow, dude. Thank Happy you. birthday, all the listeners from me to you. Thanks, dude. And. Uh, We will be back uh, after the All-Star break. All right, dude. Go Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.